Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan and Rob Harrington for our third and final off-season Inside Carolina basketball recruiting podcast. Sherelle, let's get right to it. Since we last talked, a lot has happened on the recruiting front. Tell us a little bit about it and what you've been up to the past month. Uh, so, yeah, Roy Williams has been very active, probably more active this week in doling out offers than, frankly, we've really ever seen. He's given out to date eight offers um, in the last eight days, and those go to a variety of players, guys in the 2018 class, guys in the 2019 class, guys at different positions. I mean, point guards and wings, pretty much everything um, out there, <laughs> Roy Williams has offered that he watched in July. So it is a, I don't want to say a departure, but it is a, different tactic for Roy Williams. Uh, He usually does give out multiple offers at the end of July, but we've never seen them with this frequency. So for the past month, pretty much the IC team has been across the country in Las Vegas, in Atlanta, Spartanburg, Indianapolis, um, everywhere there's been AU tournaments and just tracking some of the players that North Carolina is interested in and also tracking who the coaching staff is watching. So as I said, there's been eight offers over the last, you know, seven and a half, eight days since the evaluation period ended. And, you know, there could be a couple more coming over the next week or so. Uh, we'll see. But it definitely paints a picture of what Roy Williams is looking for in the rising junior and the rising senior classes. Rob, I know you've been out and about and on the circuit. With all these offers, any one of those offers surprise you? And then maybe what were the offers that were just like well expected or that you knew they were coming from Roy Williams? He just needed a little more time. Well, certainly, I think most everyone was expecting them to offer uh, Nasir Little and Simi Shatu. I mean, those are two guys who, you know, however they're ranked, they're certainly blue-chip prospects, uh, people who would be able to come in and play as freshmen. So that was kind of par for the course. I think the one that maybe surprised me the most was the one of the 2019 offers, uh, Jeremiah Francis, a point guard, because we weren't really sure exactly what how they were going to approach the backcourt in that class. And so I thought when that one came through, uh, it really, you know, that solidified the fact this isn't just a flight of fancy, some elite player in the region they decided to offer. I mean, this was a a player who is located in Big Ten territory, and they decided to go ahead and make the jump. And Roy Williams really prioritized him out in Las Vegas. And with all those players out there that week, he, he put in multiple appearances, made Francis, the top priority. So that was the one that was most eye-opening for me. Sherelle, same question to you. I mean, eight offers in eight days, surely there's something about those that surprised you. What was it? Um, I was a little surprised with Nate Lazuski. He is a 6'10", kind of uh, stretch four, I guess you would call him. He goes to school at North Mountain Harmon. He was a teammate of Andrew Playtex in high school. And, you know, they had kind of kicked the tires on him a little bit last summer, and nothing really came of it. So we kind of said, okay, well, maybe they're not going to recruit him. And then during the high school season, he didn't play great. He was hurt, um, had a, a few nagging injuries. And so his high school coach told us he didn't get back to 100% really until this past June. And from there, you know, North Carolina watched him a little bit in Spartanburg during the first evaluation period, but they really came on strong over the second and third. And he got an offer, you know, the, the first night after the evaluation periods were over. So that one surprised me a little bit just because – it happened so quickly, and because North Carolina had only really watched him for two evaluation periods. 
Sherelle, I'll stay with you, and we'll go to our Twitter for one of our questions. Somebody asks, is Nazir Little one of or an expected lock for North Carolina? So your take on that question, I mean, it's still fairly early. Yeah, no one is a lock. So I think Carolina fans need to realize that there's no such thing as an ironclad lock in recruiting. Certainly, North Carolina is in great position with Little. Um, he has family from North Carolina. Um, he has an affinity for North Carolina that he's talked about openly in interviews. He really wanted a North Carolina offer. He says he's setting up an official visit, but I wouldn't call anything a lock. Certainly, they have a great chance with him because, one, they're getting an official visit, which is something they haven't done a lot of with top 10, top 15 guys over the last couple of years. So I think it looks good for them, and they're right in the thick of it, but there's no such thing as a lock. All right, I'm going to go to the message board. See, it's easy when you guys post podcast question requests on the message boards because all I have to do is read. And Rob, you're up next. Which of the offered 2018 forwards do you see as the best fit for North Carolina? Well, that's a tough one because I I already mentioned uh, Chateau and Nasir Little. I probably would go with Simi Chateau because I think that he would – bring them more of a hybrid forward game. Uh, Nasir Little is considered something of a combo forward, but I think that he has evolved into a wing. In fact, I think that he's more of a wing than Kevin Knox was last year. You know, no one really questioned Kevin Knox as a wing. I question him as a wing. Nasir Little impressed me as a pure three. Now, he, he has the body type who looks like he would be a combo forward, and I think that he could play down, but he doesn't need to. In uh, Simi Chatu's case, he does need to play down some. He can step out and hit some threes, but he brings a little bit of that inside out that Marvin Williams did uh, just over a decade ago. And I think that because of the way that they need to fill in you know, that dimension of the team, it's still something of a hole. I think he could come in and give them you know, really nice big minutes. Sherelle, talking about those forwards, uh, is it a first-come, first-serve type deal do you think Roy Williams is going after? and? question from the message board is it pretty much ensured it maybe cam johnson is just a one-year guy for carolina when he has two available so the first come first serve thing uh I, you know only roy williams really knows the answer to that we can kind of glean something um from what he's done and if you look at north carolina's offers for that kind of hybrid forward position that we're calling it so it started with jerry's hamilton in early 2016 he had the offer by himself until they offered zion williamson last july july 2016 and then he had the offer by himself, or with Hamilton, I guess you could say, until seven days ago. So I think Roy Williams is giving these guys opportunities and saying, hey, you're, you're my guy for the moment. But if you, know, you don't start moving or show me some signs that maybe you're, you're interested or really considering North Carolina, then I'm going to go to my next guy. And I think that's what he did with uh, Chateau and then Lazuski and then Little to, to some degree, offering all these combo forwards in 2018. So... All that to say, I think if you gave North Carolina true serum, Williamson is their top target still. He's the highest rated guy. I think we all agree he's the best of the ones they've offered. But at the same time, I don't think Roy Williams wants to see that recruitment all the way through if it goes to the spring. Some people think it might be over in the fall. I don't think he wants to go all the way through and put all his chips into Zion Williamson when these other guys – um, Lazuski and and Chitu and Little are there, and maybe he can get them to commit. So I didn't really answer the question. I think Zion Williamson has the right of first refusal. I think he'll continue to have that. But if one of the other players came to Roy Williams and said, "Hey, I want to commit," I, I think he would take it. Rob, to that point, 
um, Roy Williams learned, and that's not really a good way to put it because somebody that's coming off a national championship certainly knows what they're doing. But with the Williamson all eggs in one basket, like Sherelle mentioned, that he didn't want to get into that situation, is there ever a situation where Carolina fills up prior to Williamson committing and Williamson decides he wants to commit to Carolina that he doesn't end up in a Carolina jersey? Well, I think for me – I didn't even mention him to my prior question that you asked me because I've already written him off. I would be shocked if they, if Carolina could get Zion Williamson. Nothing about that recruitment resembles one that they win in the modern era. Someone definitely will end up proving us wrong one day. But until that happens, I'm going to continue to be very skeptical of these extremely overhyped recruitments. I mean, in his case, he's a very good player, but this you know, best play, prospect since LeBron thing is completely crazy. It's not even rational. So I, I can't even wrap my head around him ever wanting to commit. But if he wanted to, I'm sure that they would explore all potential options, maybe work with a player to redshirt for, or not redshirt, but walk on for one year if it were possible without speculating about what player that would be. I, I think it's unlikely to arise as something they need to deal with. But I also, I'm, I'm sure they would, no one likes to, you know, be deprived of talent on the basis of lack of scholarships. And in the modern era, it very rarely happens anyway. Sherelle, another question. And that's interesting because Sherelle and I had a little bit of a debate on talking offline. And Sherelle, I'll ask you this and put you on the spot. Is is Zion Williamson, and Rob, you can answer the question, and it's a question I get asked a lot. Is he that good of a basketball player? Or is he just so much so good of an athlete that he just overwhelms everybody? Because all the highlight tapes, of course, that doesn't tell you much, but all the highlight tapes is just physically dominates everybody he plays against. So Sherelle, as far as basketball, tell me about it. Well, it's kind of the Shaq thing, right? I mean, does Shaq really need to shoot threes if he can dunk on everybody? And with Zion, he hasn't really faced anyone physically who he can't overwhelm. Now you can say that's going to happen in college, but I don't know that it will. I mean, he's a he's a rare athlete in that he has the bulk and the size that he has coupled with athleticism that truly is elite and explosive. So I would say, I, I think inside of 15 feet, I mean, I, I think he's the best offensive player in high school basketball inside of 15 feet. And you can add Marvin Bagley to that. You can add maybe someone like Vernon Carey to that. But, I, you know, I would take Zion because not only – is he good from 15 feet in, but he's efficient just because he's so powerful and he can get to the basket so easy. So I think he's a good basketball player. Certainly he has room to improve. Obviously he can get better defensively. He can extend his range beyond three. He can improve his uh, handles and he can improve his post game because uh, a lot of his movement is going towards the basket. There's not a lot of back to basket stuff. So it's re- it is really reminiscent of Julius Randle um, from a few years ago, who Roy Williams was really, really um, after very strongly. So I-, I think he's a good basketball player, but obviously he has room to grow. Rob, you agree with that? And I'm not going to stick on this topic long. It's just a name that continues to come up. And I'm in your camp. I think that if he ends up, ends up at Carolina would be a shock, but is he that good? I think he's. I think Sherelle has has chimed in on the most important aspects of it that he's extremely good around the rim, uh, and he's he's great actually above the rim, and he's good to that fifteen foot range. I'm a little more skeptical of him because I don't think that he really has a wing body type. Now this is a little. This is where the discussion kind of goes two different ways because for college, 
I think that he'll continue to just beast everyone. You know, assuming he goes to college for one year, he, he can do the dominant Larry Johnson type thing in college. He will not be able to get away with that in the NBA. And so that's when, as Julius Randle has had issues trying to become a more versatile player, I'm not convinced that Zion will ever be a, a full-fledged wing because he doesn't have that kind of lateral quickness. He's a, kind of a bulkier guy anyway. I think, I mean, certainly he'll be fine. He'll have a good career. But in terms of the, you know, long-term, long-term thing, I think the the real star in that class is Marvin Bagley, you know, to the extent that he's in that class. But Zion certainly, not to go too far off track, but I think that he would certainly be an outstanding freshman where at UNC or anywhere, wherever he goes, he'll be great. I think the questions start to really emerge at the highest level. Sherelle, 2018 class not that far away signing days commitment days we'll be talking about the classes way beyond that but who do you think rounds out this class ultimately in 2018 this far in advance do you and i'll caveat the question is it somebody that's already been offered or maybe is there somebody out there that roy williams hasn't offered yet that maybe ends up in the class that we're not talking about now. So first I want to go back to the other question because I forgot to answer the part about Cam Johnson. So let me go back to that because that <laughs> impacts the answer to that question. So there's no, again, there's no guarantee that Cam Johnson is going to go pro after next season. But if you look at things logically and you start trying to break it down, you look at a combination of, you know, he missed a year because of injury. He's going to slot into North Carolina starting lineup pretty seamlessly and and more than likely be the starting small forward he's going to get a ton of shots more than likely wide open shots because of the joel berry threat on the perimeter and theo pinson's penetrating ability so he's going to be involved there so you add in his age injury history the fact that this is his fourth year in college and you start projecting that stuff forward he's six eight he's got a great shooting touch all those things that the nba likes combine that with a draft that maybe isn't as great as it was this past year and you have to think there's a strong consideration that he will at least test. I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't at least test and, and to test the waters for the draft. And I think North Carolina is smart to think about, you know, maybe he's going to leave and maybe they'll have an extra scholarship. So I wanted to answer that question first. As far as the the class goes, I think I think Nasir Little is definitely their their best uh, shot of the offers they have in 2018 for reasons we talked about before. So I think you can, you know, tentatively, if you wanted to talk about what it might look like, tentatively slot him in there as a as a wing. And then I think they'll get one of the combo forwards. I don't know that it'll be one of the ones that they've offered, but they've made it a point to definitely go after a combo forward in 2018. So I, I really can't predict, you know, which one um, of those guys is going to be. But I do think I, I think Little, barring something unforeseen, will be a North Carolina commit at some point. Rob, you agree with that? I mean, somebody's got to join black and white. Yes, I think, and, and here's why I'll add to it. When the national people who frequently over the years have sort of learned to discount Carolina's chances with prospects of that caliber, just based on the recent history, as recently as 10 days ago, they were saying, you know, just sort of in casual chats, I think if Carolina offers, this was prior to their offer, of course, I think if Carolina offers, this is one they can win. And so when those guys start to see it pivoting, even before the offer happens, to me, it lends additional credibility because now you're getting you know, information from outside the UNC sphere. You know, 
you're getting information now indirectly from other coaches who are seeing the same thing. So I think Sherelle, I completely agree. I think Little represents a great opportunity for them to get a, a true McDonald's caliber guy. So Sherelle, with the offers out, you said eight in eight days after the evaluation period. And I know some of those are 2019 guys, but how many offers can you as a coach, as Roy Williams, can you legitimately have out? At one time, I mean, I know some coaches offer everybody, but but are selective. I mean, Roy Williams is not going to offer a guy if he doesn't really want him, or does he? I mean, how does that work with the amount of offers? And are there any offers coming down the road, possibly, that you see on the horizon? Yeah, um, so there are schools who just offer everybody. And for the sake of this podcast, we won't name them, but you can you can go look at it, and it's pretty obvious. But, you know, they're offered 35, 40 players in one class. Obviously, all those offers aren't what we call committable, which is getting kind of into football terms of a committable offer and an uncommittable offer, which I hope never happens in large amounts in basketball recruiting because it's so annoying. But Roy Williams doesn't offer someone that he doesn't think can play at North Carolina. And so the criticism for so long has been from fans and from some media that Roy Williams waits too long to offer or he doesn't offer enough people. He gets that a lot. So there's really not a number as far as offers out that Roy Williams, you know, looks at and says, okay, I have to have these number of offers out. In the class of 2016, he offered, I think, 24 players. Granted, that's the most by far that he's ever offered since he's been in North Carolina, but he did offer 24 players. And in this class, you know, he's already offered four. We talked about four combo fours in addition to uh, little and then the commits in black and white. So he's getting up there in this class, and I think uh, he'll keep going until he makes sure that he gets what he wants, which it seems to be, in addition to black and white, a wing and then also a combo forward. Rob, somebody asked on the message board if anybody's had any buzz about how the freshman bigs are doing, and I would assume that if there's no uh, – well, I don't really think you could offer a center or a predominantly center. and. I'm really not sure about the power forward guys in the 18 and 19 class given what's on campus, but your take on how those guys may shake out here as we get started, not too terribly long in their freshman seasons. I think it's really difficult to speculate too much about that because, you know, for example, uh, we've seen pictures of Garrison Brooks's physical transformation already. Young people, young athletes like that can pack on a tremendous amount of muscle. Not all of them can do it, as we've seen with players like Justin Jackson and John Henson, but some of them can. And if that, if someone can grow into a you know, college ready center from a physical point of view, that may be enough to give that person the edge over his compatriots. So you just have to see, I have thought, you know, ever since all those guys were brought in that Garrison Brooks probably would be a little ahead of the other two, because I think he's the most polished of the three, but we'll have to see. I mean, certainly they're going to have to play. I don't think the you know, Luke May Theo Pinson front court is necessarily viable over you know, a large portion of a competitive game, and I'm sure they'll break it out some. I also would very much prefer not to have to rely on that too heavily. So I think the freshmen will get every opportunity. Yeah, you know, I think probably after you know, fall camp starts and they have the individual workouts, then we once that information sort of filters through, we'll have a better idea of who's where. 2017 will be interested, interesting to see. Sherelle, in 2018, 
Where do you think Kobe and Leakey will play on the floor for Carolina? And I know we're getting closer to the – there's no positions. <laughs> but where will they be? I mean, they're clearly out on the wing. Is Leakey Black a point guard for North Carolina? Your take, even a year out. There are no positions, Tommy. That's my answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, North Carolina has told, told both of them that they envisioned both of them on the ball some, on the ball meaning playing point guard. So Roy Williams has an affinity for playing multiple point guards at a time, and that's what he's told both of those guys. Leakey, in the past month or so, um, they've had conversations with uh, assistant coach Steve Robinson, with Coach Williams, and basically they've said, hey, you know, you're going to get the ball. You're going to be our guy. Same thing with Kobe. You're going to get the ball. We want you to score. We want you to distribute. We want you to just, you know, be a great player. I think mindset-wise and mentally, I think uh, Leakey is more of a point guard than Kobe is in those two aspects because Leakey just has the the feel of a point guard, the mindset of a point guard. He thinks like a point guard. He's been groomed to be a point guard his entire life. Kobe is a point guard, but he can score. He's so dynamic off the ball. I think that will allow him to play some off the ball, allow him to do what he does best, which is drive to the rim, score, make shots, get buckets, as people say. So he needs to improve his, you know, distributing. He needs to improve his ball handling some. But I think he will function as kind of another point guard on the floor. But So the answer is, I think both are point guards. I think Leakey will be the primary distributor, if you will. And I think Kobe will be the secondary distributor and also a score, even though both are technically point guards. Roundabout way of giving an answer. Yeah, you're the politician of the group, so we've come to expect it, but it was a good answer. Uh, and I'm going to move along, and I'm going to ask the final question for each of you, and you each get as long as you need to answer it. But has Justin, and I'll start with you, Rob, has Justin Jackson's rise in the draft and Tony Bradley being a one-and-done, has that moved the needle for North Carolina on the recruiting front, in your opinion? Definitely not on Jackson. Uh, in fact, people are still using him negatively against Carolina. Like, hey, look, this guy got stuck for three years. And I know it's difficult for fans to kind of wrap their minds around that because it, you know, how could you possibly complain about the career that he had? He has many, many years to make a lot of money. He's going to be fine on that. He had a, a great college experience, I think, by all accounts. You know, he gets to the NBA three years older, um, out of high school. He's now married. So I, I think every I don't understand why that is so effective, but people still think it's effective and they're still using it against them. Bradley's interesting because I thought initially there would be very little impact you placing a guy like that at the end of the first round. But I do sense a little bit of softening when I was interviewing players this summer, just sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, that is something that can happen there. They aren't actually going to block you from doing it, which is sort of what people would say about them. You, know, you sort of get trapped at Carolina. And Bradley proved that doesn't that isn't necessarily the case. Moreover, they it's difficult for someone to say, well, OK, this guy, he went pro, but imagine how high, how high he might have gone if he had actually started. The, the very easy counterpoint that the coaching staff can make is, hey, well, the person ahead of him probably should have been MVP of the Final Four. So, yeah, you know, he didn't start over that person. He didn't start over Kennedy Meeks, nor should he have. I do think it's worth monitoring. I don't, I don't think it has made a big impact. I mean, as we've, just, we've discussed this many, many times. They still need that one real breakthrough star, I think. But it, but it has helped a little bit, possibly, or at least it has 
prevented people from saying, well, they haven't had a one and done since 2007, you know, that that's done. And I think that has helped them just in and of itself. It's brought them up speed a little bit more. Terrell, your take on that. And some people have asked is Jaleep Felton a one and done your opinion on that. I think him not being on campus over the summer may have set him back a little bit. Maybe I'm just being short-sighted, but your take on the whole Tony Bradley one and done, Justin Jackson, and now Jaleep Felton deal for Carolina. Yeah, Rob pretty much nailed it. I think for whatever reason, the Jackson is held against North Carolina, despite the fact that he improved tremendously over the course of his three years at UNC. Tony Bradley, again, same thing. There does seem to be some softening, especially among some of the big men we talked to. Um, they do see that North Carolina is a place to go where, you know, if you go to North Carolina, you get the ball, so to speak, if you're a big man. So I do think that is changing some. It's going to take, like, I'm just basically rehashing what Rob said, but it's going to take one person, one guy. And we, we've been waiting to see who that's going to be probably for five or six years to kind of break the spell, so to speak. So, uh, you know, that could be coming. It, it might not be coming. In, in, in the grand scheme of things, the question is, does it matter? Because North Carolina has found, I think, a, a nice sweet spot where it recruits two to four-year players who might not have these super elite one-and-done talent, but who are good enough to win. And, you know, that's the point of everything is, is to win. So I, I think people sometimes overthink it that getting a one-and-done will yield success, which will yield better recruiting. But if success and the level that North Carolina is recruiting at now breeds winning and success, I don't really see the need for a one-and-done. But that's a, a real existential philosophical thing that we can get to at another point. Angelique, I think he has the talent to be a one and done. I think that's never been an issue for him. It's just a matter of him getting on campus, being focused, being driven to be better, him keeping his head in the game, keeping his motor up. So he can absolutely be one and done. I think most of it though will come down to how he reacts to being, you know, really coached for kind of the first time in his career and how he reacts to some of the hardships he's going to experience that all freshmen experience and how he comes out on the other side from those hardships. Great point there, guys. It's been great to talk to you. And I want to, before I thank you, all I want to thank our readers and our listeners, because if, if you've been following along as you've listened to this, we've pretty much covered the waterfront on Twitter and on the UNC basketball premium message board. Monkey Junction, my go-to ice cream is Briar's all natural vanilla. There's nothing better. Um, but aside from that, the basketball discussion has been great. Rob, Sherelle, appreciate you taking the time to join me. Yep. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.